Alright, we lost. Alright, well, that's probably, probably God stopping the camera, but... If you're a good dog owner, your dog wants to fuck you. If you treat your dog well, the dog, it, it's not even like the dog's gonna hump you or maybe it does hump you. That's another case where it's like, yeah, the dog loves you, it gets excited and it doesn't even know how to control its emotions, but it loves you so much it wants to show its affection in that way. And it starts humping you. Even girl dogs will start humping their owner if they're a good owner. So I was thinking about this, so people, someone's gonna make the case for, no, you, a dog can't consent. But if you're a good dog owner, your dog wants you to fuck it. If you started to fuck the dog, the dog would be like, I don't know what's happening. This isn't usually how we do things. It, it probably wouldn't understand because, you know, it'd be confused to be like, this is, okay, you're facing me. This is, well, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I'm here for it. I like it. I like how close you are to me. Your dog is, you're, if you're a good dog owner, your dog wants you to fuck it, even if it doesn't know what's happening. Um, that was something I was thinking about because people are saying, yeah, your dog won't be able to consent though. And I'm like, yeah, it can't say yes. It can't say yes, you have my consent. But um, yeah, dogs just by body language alone can consent to that. So I could be wrong. I probably am wrong, but I think in like 30 years, um, if you know the ice caps haven't completely melted, people are gonna be like, you're gonna be able to have a romantic relationship with your dog. And I'm I'm okay with that. I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna partake. That's 30 years from now. I'm gonna be 63. But I think we're not, we're not far. We're not far. And I, th I, I think we're, there's gonna be a time, there's gonna be people grossed out by that fact. There's gonna be people that are morally opposed but I think there's gonna be, the majority of people are gonna decide that the right side of history is bestiality, I think, or just being okay with it and being tolerant of it. Um, I could be wrong, Dad, I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you had to hear that. Um, I'm sure you'll never, <laughs> you'll never be the same. Um, oh, okay, I also wanna talk about the idea of the wrong side of history and the right side of history. If you're concerned with being on the right side of history or the wrong side of history, that's, you're the problem. I believe this, because you should live by your own ethical code. You should be open to listening to other people's ideas and what their perception of reality is, and maybe that'll have some effect on your own moral compass. Maybe it will. Be open to other people's truths, but you should always live by your own standard, your own standard of ethics that you personally can live with. If you live by that standard, you will never live in regret because you'll always be doing things with your own integrity and you'll always be able to stand by it and you'll always be able to defend it. You won't always be able to convince anyone that your way of thinking is correct, but you'll at least be true to yourself and that means a lot. So when people are more concerned with what is the majority saying? What is the right side of history? When we look back on this, how are we gonna look at it? That shouldn't be any concern to you. You should say, hey, how, how can I look at this in a way that's as empathetic as possible and I can live with this, you know? Understand the other people's point of view, understand everyone's point of view, and then come to your own decision about the way to go forward. So the right side of history is just kind of the way it ended up, right? It's just the way history happens and the way it's taught, but it's not necessarily the uh, de facto right and wrong, you know? Because um, let's face it, a lot of bad people believed they were on the right side of history, I believe, I would assume. Um, yeah. Uh, 
Oh my gosh, I have like so many funny ideas. Like, I was thinking about, this one's like really, this one's really messed up. I had this idea of like, I was watching a guy fillet a fish and just so casually filleting a like a live fish. He was like, so it was, he was mutilating the body in a way that was necessary to the preparation of the fish, okay? So it was like a salt cured fish and he took a saw blade. It was like a table saw and he split the fish in like in half, right? Between its eyes, just split it in half and, and like, was filleting it with a table saw. And it made me, it just with such ease and like no concern that this was a living thing that had a face and a face that expressed pain and expressed joy and reacted to circumstance in that fish life. The way he was cutting it was just like, it was a like a two by four. And it made me think like, what if there is, like, we take everything so seriously, and I imagine that fish took its life so seriously. It took its life, it's like, this is my life. I, I understand to anyone looking outside, they know I'm gonna get caught in net, I'm gonna get thrown on a boat, and I'm gonna get my head sawed in half. It knows that. It knows to a fisherman, the like, the, the fisherman, it's entirely possible that that fisherman never thinks about that fish's life or what that fish experienced. And that's funny to me. That's really funny because I thought about like what an alien race, like an alien race comes down and they like, and they decide, hey, these are, you know, we can harvest these humans. We can harvest these humans. You know, they make great food. We can uh, raise them and then we can pull them out of the earth as we need them. They can reproduce and we can farm humans. And I just had this vision of an alien, like a large alien filleting me, just cut like filleting me and then just like filleting the rest of my family, just preparing a dish for their fam or being fried in a deep fryer or something like that. So it is the insecure, it's impossible to look at anything or anyone else and imagine that their life is as significant as yours. I don't think you can, but it's true, and it's a truth that you can't accept, because to accept that um, is, uh, it's, it's too much, it's too much to handle uh, the thoughts and feelings of every living thing um, and how they're feeling, because I believe we're, I, I believe this, I think, as humans, we are empathetic and to our own detriment to protect ourselves, we become callous and we become apathetic and it's easier or even worse, we justify it and say, oh, they had it coming. This is their lot in life. You know, this is the way they, this is, this is how it's going to be. Or you look the other way, you become ignorant. Cause if you really see the circumstances of someone's life, it can be, um, and it can be hard. It can be a hard pill to swallow, because uh, we are empathetic. And I think when we see someone else's suffering with our own eyes, when you see someone else's suffering with your own eyes, it can be uh, it can be hard to look at. It can hard. It can be hard to not suffer yourself. If you know what I mean, it can be hard to look at someone. I was thinking about this. I watched that movie American Factory, and the Chinese people. They were talking about how many hours a week they worked, what their life was like, and they were so good at what they did. They go to the American factory, and obviously it's, you know, it's a story, it's a documentary, but they go to the Chinese factory, and they're so good at their jobs. 
They're incredible. And it almost feels like, man, it's because their boss looks at them as a well-oiled machine, like literally looks at them like a machine. And if something happened to them, they'd replace the part of the machine. Um, but they were talking about their lives, what their lives are like, what they go back to, the home they go back to, what their weekends look like, their one-day weekends, and how that is. And it like and watching it, I I was I had to turn it off. I had to turn it off because I just couldn't. It made me feel too bad because um, it's hard. Uh, and I don't know where to draw that line. I don't know where to, like, what I don't, because I didn't know what I would do, you know? Somebody's got to make windshields. What do I, should I go? Should I go over there? Should I go get a job? Should I give them, relieve their shift? Maybe. Maybe. Or I just either have to accept the fact that I, that didn't happen to me. You know, I didn't, I wasn't born there. I wasn't born into those circumstances. Um, so that's tough. So I think we are really empathetic. And at the end of the day, we could all get filleted like a fish by an alien. And uh, we'd all be subject to that fate. We wouldn't be able to go to the alien race and say, hey, no, but I'm a king. You don't understand. I'm a king here on earth. I'm very important to the earth. They need me. I'm not like the rest of the humans i'm very important you don't understand because to them they look back and it's like you're a fish like you're a fish fisherman doesn't care who the king of the fish are it is no whatever it doesn't matter it all tastes like fish at the end of the day yeah that was something kind of horrifying that i was uh that i was thinking about where do i oh the boy didn't blush i want to this would be a really uh Everyone who thought, oh, this is this was so stupid. Everyone who, you know when people say, oh, I thought it was going to die. Every time you hear that, every, like, remember, like, everyone thinks they're close to death. Everyone, and there's no way to actually judge that. Because everyone says, I think I was going to die. Everyone who thought they were going to die, didn't die. So, most people don't die. Is Do most people not die? Or all these people that, like, oh, I thought I was going to die. And I did die. They're saying that in the afterlife? I don't know, but it's just a funny thought. Like everyone that's ever said, man, I thought I was gonna die, didn't die. So I think we're so afraid of death that a lot of circumstances where we're not gonna die, all of a sudden our brain is like, this is it, I'm gonna die. All right, I was too, I think I was too high for that one. That's all I really have on that. Um, I have a really rough one. Oh, I think, uh, The best way to argue with someone is to say, I think we're being a little bit insincere. I think that's the, if when you're, I feel like a lot of times when we're arguing, and I do this myself, I'll get into an argument with about someone, I know when it's like completely detached from the way like what I actually have, the information I actually have to offer the person, and it becomes just like about ego. And I start attach, I start like, let's say I get really into a debate about global warming, right? And with like my dad, you know, maybe we get into, well, I wouldn't do this. This is not who I am. Maybe like 10 years ago, I would have. I get into a debate and I don't really know what I'm talking about. I don't know if my dad knows what he's talking about, but I sure as shit don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm, uh, I'm arguing a case on behalf of, you know, for the fight against global warming and I'm being really passionate and I'm saying my passion is coming from a place of empathy for the world. And it wasn't. 
it's not. It's really just like an ego thing because I think my dad thinks he's smarter than me and that offends me and I don't want him to, you know, I want him to know I'm a smart guy that went to college or whatever. Uh, I think if my dad were to say to me, hey, perhaps we're being a little insincere. Perhaps your, uh, the uh, emotion and passion you're talking with maybe isn't coming from a place for concern for the environment as much as you're saying. Maybe it's not, maybe it is. I'm not to say, but it's worth exploring the idea that maybe we're, you're being a little insincere. And I always think that with people, when someone does like, there's some sort of argument about anything and someone attacks the person's character, if someone just comes in and says, hey, perhaps an idea to explore is maybe this, um, this anger and, uh, and well, oftentimes hate is coming from a less noble place than we're saying it is. Um, I say this to myself, I don't say this. This isn't about anyone else but me. But uh, I always think that if I get really worked up, it's because my ego's involved and I need people to know I'm really fucking smart. Yeah, that's really, that's really important to me. Um, man. Oh, I was thinking about who was the first person to watch, like, spectate? Because I listen to so many sports podcasts. I listen to so many basketball podcasts. I was thinking about, like, let's say soccer was the first game. Because it's crazy to me. I listen to, like, Zach Lowe. And his job is to watch other men do their job and predict how, what's going to happen when the men do their job again. Right? His whole job, he's paid very well to, like watch a game, talk about what happened and what could potentially happen in the future. Also, replay old events with what ifs, with like hypothetical past scenarios that'll never happen. What if Kawhi Leonard never rolls you know, Like all those sort of things, that's his job. That is a part of the ethos of entertainment in sports. And I think it's pretty wild if you were to take the first guy that ever watched a soccer game that watched like a couple guys, you know, a couple guys in like a tribe or something, like a early primitive society or like, let's play a game, you know, let's play a little game. Let's kill a little time, have a little fun, a little competition. They played a soccer game and one guy watched the, the soccer game. And then he goes back to the village and somebody asked him like, what happened in the soccer, uh, you went to the game? You were watching? Oh yeah, what happened? And then he like broke down the game in a way that made the person feel like they were there. And then also gave backstory to the players in the game. And then everyone like gathered around him and was like, this is more interesting, him, this is more interesting than the game itself. Is this guy talking about the game? I, I think that's like a funny idea. The first like sports commentator where the guy that was actually so good at giving context around the game that it actually became more entertaining than the game itself. Um, well, that camera ran out. But the other thing I wanted to talk about, oh man, this is like such a wild ride. Okay. I was thinking about origin theory, you know, what happens when we die? What's the meaning of life? Is it important? Just kind of like the, the fish and the filleting, the playing the human being. All right. What if like we struggle, I think a lot of people do struggle with that. Like, what's the meaning of life? What am I doing here? What is my purpose? Am I supposed to like, how can 
a lot of times people don't think of like, oh, I can enjoy my life. How do I enjoy my life? Do I enjoy my life at the expense of others? It's so confusing that there's no manual to life. There's no book to say, oh, here's the re like, what if, what if, um, what if there was like someone knew they were like, God came down something super, so supernatural that nobody could actually deny it. Like a man coming from the sky, gathering everyone around and saying, hey, hey, I'm God. The point of all this was to get as many, whoever dies with the most wealth to their name is the winner. And then you get to the end and we have a little prize ceremony. After that, I'm not telling you what happens, but that's the meaning of life. It's to collect all the like financial resources. At the end, we'll do a big breakdown. We'll kind of go through everyone. We'll rank everyone. We'll talk about it. We'll have a little award ceremony, but that that's it. That's why I made you all. That's the point. Anything else is just kind of whatever you want to do, but the main purpose of life is to accumulate wealth. And we'd all be like, oh, damn, that's that makes it so simple. But we don't have that. God hasn't done that or whatever. A creator hasn't done that. So none of this really like if you're an agnostic like me, a lot of it, you're like, I don't really know anything for certain. So I had this idea, like what if all major because life is, you know, we 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 exterminate roaches and we like we raise animals and we kill them and we eat them. Like there's there's things where we we have no we thoughtlessly kill certain things, but humans were like way more judicious and where we'll fight for other humans to stay alive and we feel a personal responsibility to um, to uh, stop genocide, right? To stop thoughtless killing. So part of me thinks like, what if? And hang with me here. What if Hitler? What if Hitler was doing performance art for God, okay? He's like so as such a big existential crisis that he's like I'm going to I'm going to convince a downtrodden group of people that another group of people is the problem and they're the reason all bad things happen in the world. I feel like I can do this and I'm going to exterminate millions and millions of people. I'm just going to wipe them off the face of the earth. I'm going to exterminate them like pests. And then I'm going to look at God and say, pretty crazy, or is it crazy, God? Does human life matter? Because there seems to be millions and millions of people that have died before, and I'm thoughtlessly killing all of these people. Are you going to stop me? Are you going to intervene? Are you going to let this happen? It's almost like... It's almost like this is my attempt to call out to God and say, are you going to do something? Are you paying attention? If human life does matter, if what you created, our sentient beings, is important and slaughtering millions of them is, is not good, are you going to stop me? You know, is he like pretty crazy? Pretty crazy. You going to do anything? No? And he probably, you know, like he didn't even care. He was like, yeah, I killed millions of people, but like millions of people have died and it's, it sucks, but I'm, I don't know. I, I, it was just a, it was a performance art to see like, would anyone intervene? Does it matter? Would there be a point where, where the, the, the grand intervener, God comes in and says, okay, I need to put a stop to this. Some, uh, if you're familiar with the term, do ex machina, a machine from God, some sort of outside element um, to stop these horrific events. Um, but he didn't. 
he didn't. It took man. Man came and resolved it. So uh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's God's uh, ultimate test is will uh, man risk his life to protect his neighbor. Um, I don't know. But um, thanks for thanks for hanging with me. I think that's all I want to do for today. It was fun to do these again. Um, yeah. All right. Bye.